God likes you and loves you more than you may realize. That's the encouragement ahead of us today on Grow in Grace. We think God is going, eh, I'm holding out a little on that like stuff. You know, he's at 49% obeying me. When it's to 51, that might be the tipping point, And then maybe I'll like him. No, no. God sees me. God sees you as washed, clean. He sees you as what you're going to be in heaven. And he's never wrong. He's God. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. There's nothing more thrilling in life than coming to understand how much God loves us and he wants to cultivate a relationship with us too. Doesn't get any better than that. Well, today on Grow in Grace, we're in John 16, learning of the great love of God and our access to him. I think you're going to find today's message greatly encouraging. So let's get right into it. Here's Pastor Ed Ray finishing up in John 16. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, gift from God. When we're attached to the vine, when we've surrendered our life to him, then he gives us joy supernaturally, but we still must choose to use it in our life. Joy. Number two, love. Verse 25, but these things I've spoken to you in figurative language, like a proverb by the time, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I'll tell you plainly about the Father. Matthew 13, 34, he said, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. Without a parable, he did not speak to them. So he wasn't making direct statements. There was always kind of like Aesop's fables. There was a story with a lesson to be learned behind it. But in that day, verse 26, you will ask in my name, there it is again, in my character. And I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you. I don't need to pray to the Father for you because he loves you. That's verse 27. For the Father himself loves. Greek word phileo, fond, having an affection, a liking for you personally. Now, normally scripture, in fact, multiple times here in John, 56 times John uses the word love, but he uses the Greek word agape, which is self-sacrificing love. You give without expecting anything in return. This isn't that word. This is the word phileo, fond of. God is fond of you. Now, God isn't like us in one sense, but in another sense he is. I'll explain that. God has love on at least two levels. And God is benevolent, we say. He's loving towards all men. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's agape. He chooses to love. That's a benevolence towards every person. But there's another level that this verse is talking about. And it's something that you might 
use the term delight or enjoys or likes to be with you. Now, I've been thinking about this for years, and I've come up with an illustration that works for me. It's a little lame, okay? It's just not, like, brilliant, but maybe it'll help somebody here. My wife and I, Raylynn, both love animals. We just always have. We were both raised in families with animals. My dad thought it was important to be around animals, so you just learn about responsibility, taking care of a dog or a cat or whatever. I'm not a cat person. If you are, the story still works, but I went just fessing up here. I'm a dog guy. I just am. I got a bulldog, and he is loud. He snores, and he slumbers, and I just love him to pieces, Okay. So you need to meet Winston. He likes everybody. He's just the most loving British bulldog ever. And and so I like all dogs. I am benevolent towards all animals, horses, whatever, cows, sheep, cats even. I have this good friend. He comes to church here. I won't use his name because it would embarrass him. But he likes dogs more than I do. I have two. He has four, okay? And he has a big yard all fenced in, so they're safe and everything. And I see him quite often. It's involved with the hot rod. So I was over there the other night, and he's got three of the four dogs think I am Jesus' big brother. I mean, they come up to me when they, they greet me, and they bark, and they howl, and they wiggle, and they lick my hands and kiss my feet and bow down before me. And I said, my people, you know. <laughs> if you go there feeling sorry for yourself, you'll, you'll come back just elated. You know, these dogs love me. So, but there's this fourth dog, a shepherd, female, and she is the guard dog. She looks at me with great suspicion. Now, I've known this dog for like four or five years, as long as she's been around. And, and so the other night, I was there, we were working on hot rods, and the other dogs have uh, come and bowed at my, in my presence, and I'm just sitting there working on something, and I feel this, and it's the shepherd. I said, like she can understand, what are you doing here? And she put her head over on my leg, and she kissed my hand. And all of a sudden, that was the best dog in the whole world in my mind. She liked me, and I liked her all of a sudden. Now, I'm sorry that's such a weak illustration, but God has two levels of love for all of humanity. God so loved the world, agape, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would have eternal life. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but through him that the world might have eternal life. His desire is to have eternity with the entire human race. He would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But he has another level of love for those who have responded to him. And you could call it delight. You could call it fond of. You could call it likes. It's what he's talking about here, that God is fond of us. He doesn't just love us, he likes us, those of us who surrender to him. So God knows you completely, intimately, on every level. He knit you together inside your mother's womb. The Greek word, or the Old Testament, Psalm 139 is Hebrew, and it's woven. He wove you together. How did he know that the DNA strand is woven into the others? He created. <laughs> so 
3,000 years ago, he has David write down, I wove you together in your mother's womb. The Bible is filled with things like that. He knows you and, and he loves you and he wants to spend time with you. Shay Vernon McGee, old radio preacher, he's still on the radio, he's been dead for years, God bless him. He's on the same radio that we're on uh, KKLA in Los Angeles. And he said something about this. He said, quote, God loves you, doesn't make any difference who you are. You can't keep him from loving you. Now, you can get to a place in your life where you won't experience the love of God when you put up an umbrella of sin. The sunshine of God's love surely won't fall on you then, but it's still there for you. For heaven's sakes, take down the umbrella. I like that. God, forgive me. I was wrong. Oh, that's so hard to say. No, it's not. Because you have loved me. Now, don't misread that part of the verse. The Father does not love us on the basis of our love for Jesus. But our love for Jesus is the evidence of the Father's love for us. It's like your pulse. You feel your pulse, right? Most of you have one. I'm not sure about a couple of you. It doesn't make, the pulse doesn't make the heart pump. It's the result of the heart pumping. That's what this is saying. Our love for Jesus is the evidence of the Father's love for us. It's the result of him liking you. Jesus makes it clear that the son didn't need to persuade an angry father to be gracious. You can go to the Father because he already loves you. He's not just benevolent, but he's trying to get you to get into this area of delight. If I said lick his hand, would you understand? So Jesus came not because God so hated the world, but because he so loved the world. Now, I doubt that there's a Christian church in the whole world that if you went in and said that, it would cause any problems. You said, well, God loves you. And they said, oh, great. But I've never been in a church where somebody came up to me and said, God likes you. Millions of Christians won't say that. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we don't like ourselves. We know all the stuff that's wrong. And so we think God is going, nah, I'm holding out a little on that like stuff. You know, he's at 49% obeying me when it's to 51 that might be the tipping point and then maybe I'll like him no no God sees me God sees you as washed clean he sees you as what you're going to be in heaven and he's never wrong he's God he knows exactly what's going on in your life Brennan Manning was a pastor who passed on a few years ago Talking about this subject, he said, God loves you as you are. Are you listening? As you are. Right now, I'm sitting right where you are. God loves you as you are. Not as you should be, because we will never be as we should be here on planet Earth. Got it? You're never going to arrive here. We're all in process. He's, the theological word is sanctifying us. He's changing us a little bit at a time. God loves you so much, he would rather die than be without you, which is what he did. He came and he died for you. We'll come back to that at the end. 
Isn't that great? God loves us and likes us. There's nothing better than that. And you're listening to Grow in Grace as Pastor Ed Ray is going through the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 16, and we left off at verse 28. 28. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Now, he says it real clear. He's been saying it, but now he says it in a way they get it. 29, the disciple said, see, now you're speaking plainly and using no figures of speech. They understand Jesus is home. Oh, I get it. You're saying your home is in heaven and you came from heaven and now you're going back to heaven. Why didn't you say that earlier? <laughs> but they really don't understand the way that he's going to get there. They don't really understand that there's a cross the next day. Now we are sure, they say, this is a little bit of a boast, verse 30. Now we are sure that you know all things. Duh. Maybe him reading your mind didn't glue you a little bit to that. I love the disciples because I can make fun of them, but if I've been there, I've had the same stupid things to say, probably worse. Now we know. We're sure that you know all things. And you have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Sounds good. Sounds right, right? Jesus isn't buying it. Look at the next verse. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Really? Are you sure? Because, verse 32, this very hour now is that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. You're bragging about how you believe that I'm from the Father, but Scripture, Zechariah 13, 7 says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And that's exactly what happened. Only one, one young man, John, who wrote this gospel, probably a teenager at the time, stood at the cross, ready to face the consequences. He wouldn't be separated. Isaiah 49, 15, God speaking. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child though she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. The nail prints in Jesus' hands are your signature and mine of his love for us, regardless of what we've done. Finally, peace, 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So this word for peace, here it's a Greek word, irian, but it's the same as the Hebrew word shalom. Those of you that have been to Israel or come from a Jewish background, that's the way you greet someone. You're walking down the street, Jerusalem, you say shalom. And they say back shalom, shalom. And they up you one shalom. And so then you have to, and what they're saying is peace. Oh, peace to you. More peace to you. But when you ask a English-speaking Jew what they mean by the word shalom, they're not talking about the absence of conflict. They're talking about an inner peace that looks like what happened in the garden. In fact, someone said the word shalom is best translated back to the garden. You're walking down the street, you see somebody and you say, 
back to the garden. What happened in the garden? Adam walked with God. So when you say peace to someone in either Greek or Hebrew, you're saying, may your day be filled with walking with God. May it be just like you're in the Garden of Eden when everything's well with your soul and who you are. The word peace just comes up over and over again. It was the announcement of the birth to Zechariah of his son, the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke, prophesied, to give light to those who are set in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Life filled with peace. The shepherds, they heard the angels sing, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace and goodwill to man. Simeon, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, he lifts up the baby Jesus when they bring him to the temple. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. Paul the apostle takes up the theme and he fills all his letters with it. Galatians, grace you and peace from God our Father. Philemon 1.3, grace and peace to God. Titus 1.4, a true sin of the common faith. Grace, peace, and mercy from God the Father. It's in his letter to the Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Timothy, Titus, over and over. He's talking about peace. But we must choose it like joy. Choose peace in your life. How so? It's not the absence of danger, but the presence of God. In fact, when you allow God to have your life, surrender to him, you may find yourself in a lot of danger, but that doesn't mean you won't have peace. That's his promise. Two promises here, that you will have peace and you'll have tribulation. Can I take one and forget the second one, Lord? No, it's locked in too. In this world, you will have tribulation. Any of you have that as a bumper sticker on your car? See, I'm not thinking anybody has it. And it's not in any promise box that you pull out of Scripture and go, oh, good, I get tribulation today. (laughs) But he promises to be with you in that also. Where do you find lasting happiness? Where do you find real joy? Not just for the moment, but a joy that lasts forever and peace that goes on and on and on. Surrender to the king. Allow him to direct your life. and, And you'll find yourself liking yourself not who you are initially but what he's making you into be you have significance you matter to god deeply so much that he died came and died for you and for me now illustration several years ago pastor bob and i traveled to burma Myanmar, to teach a bunch of ex-druggies to become pastors there's a lot of those around and Burma is in the Golden Triangle where there's, you know, just all the opiates in the world from the opium poppies that are grown in that area. And so we went there and learned again about an American missionary that had started the whole thing in that foreign land, Burma. Judson was his name, Anadondran Judson. We know the name because there's a Judson Baptist Church in San Bernardino. There's Judson Baptist churches all over the world, literally. So this guy is an American who in the 1800s went to Burma. Nobody went to Burma, but he did. Couldn't speak a word of it, learned the Burmese language, and that wasn't enough. He began to talk to people and got really good at it and found out they didn't have a Bible in Burmese. 
we snuck in some Bibles, and they are all from the same translation that Judson actually made. It was a terrible time there. There were no known Christians when he got there in 1812. Had a baby. Baby was born with some problems, and a short time, eight months later, the baby died. Six years. They were there six years before they saw one person become a Christian. But after that, things began to pick up. And in fact, it turns out it was because of the Bible that he was now completely finished translating, sent it back to England. They made copies of it. And he was there with a full Bible in Burmese. And so he stood up one day in what's modern day Ragoon to a huge crowd of people. And he opened the Bible and they all went, ooh, the white man. What? It turns out they had a legend that went back more than 200 years that one day they used to have a golden book, they said. And it told them how to live life, how to have a relationship with Yahweh. Yahweh. And, but they lost the book. Some say it was destroyed by ants or something. Others say misplaced. But, there's a, but the legend was that a white man will come and he will have banana leaves in his hands and he will read from the banana leaves and tell them how to get back with God. They're not Christians. They're not Jews. They're, they're animists. And so Judson stands up and he opens this Bible and they went, ooh, it's the white man with the golden book made of banana leaves. He gave a message and that he was mobbed with people that wanted to know about Yahweh's Jesus, and he led many to Christ. Now, he had such an impact that the dictator then, he wanted to arrest him. He did. 17 months. He was shackled, hands and feet, and the scars would be on him the rest of his life. Huge scars. And when they finally let him go, he asked the dictator if he could start preaching again. The guy said, My people are not foolish enough to listen to anything a missionary might say, but I fear that they might be impressed by your scars and turn to your God. They were, and many did. Burma is filled with Karin people who love the Lord. Judson had the greatest impact on them. Recently, a government said there were 210,000 Christians in Burma can't buy a Bible, (laughs) but they're showing up. Some crazy people smuggled them there. God so loves, likes you, that he desires a close, personal, intimate relationship with you. What a good reminder today on Grow in Grace that not only does God love us, but that he likes us as well. Pastor Ed Ray is leading us through John's Gospel at the present time. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you, and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. 
We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love.